And one of the things that we do on our side that we also tell the stores, if we can't because of licensure, because of permits, because of whatever reason, if we can't do it, we do enough, Artem and I do enough networking to have built relationships with great referral partners. So we could always send customers to someone that we know and trust and that will take great care of them instead of them having to search Googles or Yellow Pages or find someone that they don't know how they might be. Um, we try to cut that work out and we try to maintain the same level of customer service that is maintained in the Ace Hardware stores. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Dan and Artem two business partners who met in college and are now building out five territories of Ace Handyman Services. Dan and Artem bring us through what it was like searching for the right franchise for them, as well as how it's going building out their territories of Ace Handyman Services. If you're interested in home services franchises from the franchisee perspective, this is a great episode for you. Enjoy. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. I think, guys, before we even get into Ace Handyman and all that, how did you two meet? You know, did you, were you business partners before this? What's the genesis there? So We don't really remember how we met. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> we met at a college party. Is that There I, it is. Okay. There. So <laughs> I was a freshman in college. I became really good friends with his now ex-girlfriend and just met him through that. He kind of, from there, he helps me get my first part-time job slash internship. That was a little ride away from me. So I would stay over at his place whenever I worked a couple of days in a row. And we just became friends through there. This was all up in Connecticut. So way before Raleigh, I think this was about, what, 10 years ago now? 2015, 14, yeah. 15. So oh, wow. 2014, 15. I guess a little more background uh, on us. We both happened to move to Raleigh, North Carolina for completely different reasons. And just both kind of ended up here almost by chance. We re reconnected here and yeah, wow. kind of got into all of this. Incredible. And prior, so like, did you guys, well, it sounds like you moved to Raleigh for different reasons, but from a professional standpoint, were you kind of in this world of, I don't know, contracting or any, you know, some type of technical skilled labor or uh, is this totally new for both of you? So I'm a CPA by background like the rest of your family. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, uh, no. So accounting, finance, CPA background, worked uh, residential and commercial real estate, uh, worked at a publicly traded firm. Then I went to a private equity backed firm. And while I was at that private equity backed firm, I watched our revenue and our bottom line increase significantly through acquisitions. I also saw my workload double, then triple, then quadruple. My salary did not double, triple, and quadruple. And I was like, well, if I did this for myself, I could work twice as hard, make twice as much money. Let me just go out and start doing things on my own. That's kind of how the whole journey into 
owning a franchise. For me, it was a little different. So I also have a couple of college degrees. I worked for a large insurance company in their investments um, sector, as well as uh, data analytics for property insurance. I uh, was there for six or seven years. It all kind of changed with Artem and I's interest in real estate. Artem got into real estate way earlier than I did and then just started piquing my interest and kind of that's what sparked everything. He called me one day. I was working my corporate job. He called me and he was like, how much money do you have in the bank? And I'm like, well, that's an awkward question to ask someone as soon as I answer the phone. And I'm like, enough. What's your crazy idea here? And he goes, well, there's this was in 2001 when the market here in Raleigh, North Carolina was just insane 2021 not 2001 2021 that's right and the market here was just insane so he calls me up he goes listen i was on zillow because i have nothing else to do with my life and saw this condo right like seven or eight minutes from downtown for fifty five thousand dollars. he goes can we keep turning it around and get it cash and it's like we'll figure it out and we figured it out we were able to buy it we kind of uh it needed a lot of work. It needed a ton of work. Basically renovated the whole thing. We did most of our work ourselves, but we didn't know what, really what we were doing. I mean, I had a little bit of background. I had friends that were into trades. I'm very good at Googling and using YouTube. That's how I got through college. So very good at doing that. And we rehabbed the place, needed some help along the way and saw how hard it was to find help in the home services industry at the time here in North Carolina. So we ended up, we were going to refinance it, pull all our money out and rent it. And our realtor at the time was like, let's throw it on the market, see what happens because the market's crazy right now. So it's like, all right, let's throw it on the market. We're not in a huge rush here. So we threw it in the market after what, three weeks or so, we got a cash offer significantly higher than what we thought it was even worth. Took the cash offer and it's like, well, what are we going to do with this money now? He was already on his entrepreneurial roadway, which we'll get into in a minute, but we decided, you know, let's do something bigger. We saw how much of a need there was in the home services industry while we were doing this accidental flip and kind of interviewed a half dozen franchises before we landed on, or half dozen to a dozen franchises before we landed on AC Handyman Services. Yeah. So it sounds like both you guys came from pre-corporate backgrounds and this venture somehow led to Ace Handyman. Well, let's dive into that. What was the search process like? So it sounds like you clearly had to find sector that you were looking for, some franchise that I guess right would have helped you guys with the actual labor side, I guess, and maybe honing in on your kind of skills in that area potentially to start. But yeah, curious, did you look at like what other brands, if you're comfortable sharing, did you look at and, you know, did you have any reservations at any point of just thinking, hey, why don't we just start our own company maybe? So I was already part of another franchise. You can look it up on LinkedIn. I got an NDA. That's me. I'll leave it at that. Got it. But it's all on LinkedIn. Everything's out there, right? So it's in the restoration space. You have had the founder on the podcast here before. I know who it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to find something that would be complimentary. Finding handyman was always a struggle. Finding drywallers and painters was a struggle, as well as dumpsters. They weren't a struggle, but what's better than you drop something off, it makes you money, you pick it back up, right? Awesome. We looked into a couple of brands, most of them you've actually had on the podcast. And I'm not going to throw shade at anybody, but not every brand is created equal when it comes to the knowledge of their FTD. 
We were on the call with a dumpster roll-off company. Couldn't even tell you their name right there. The entire time he was redirecting us towards like, well, our competitor is doing this. Our competitor's revenues are this. Our competitor's gross profits are this. And at a certain point, I wanted to ask him like, well, should I be talking to your competitor? Because clearly you're doing a better job selling them. And I asked him, I was like, well, what's the average territory revenues? He's like, well, we don't have that in FDD. I was like, okay. Do you have the total revenues? He's like, yeah, 20 million, whatever that number was. I was like, okay. How many territories do you have? He's like, a hundred. I'm like, okay, shouldn't you take like the 20 million or 2 million or whatever, divided by a hundred and that's your average? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that's our average. It's like, how are you trying to sell me a franchise and you don't even know your numbers, right? So that's what we were dealing with. And then fast forward to, I was actually looking at another brand that did not work out, went back to recalibrating with a business broker. And she's like, hey, Ace Handyman Services, have you heard of them? Nope. Well, you know Ace Hardware, right? Yes. Well, they have a handyman company. And my criteria was home services and the Raleigh market, the entirety of the market had to be available. I was not going to have neighbors. I've seen the issues where everybody doesn't pull the same direction. The marketing, trying to explain to realtors and property managers, hey, between this zone and this zone, you call me between this zone, it doesn't work, right? So I have no idea how, but Raleigh was available. So got on the call with Colette. I did a lot of the pre-screening before I even brought Dan on because a lot of those conversations were like eight minutes long and I would there was pointless for us to be well fun. Talked to Colette. Colette went through the entire story of Ace, how Andy founded it, was running it for 23 years sold it to Ace, the whole thing. The fact that after the sale to Ace, she was still in charge of franchise development, the fact that Andy stayed on, the fact that his corporate team, most of them been with him five, 10 plus years, right? That spoke volumes to me. You interview a lot of franchises and franchisees. I'm sure you know how critical that tenure in corporate is and not every franchise is created equal that it's hard to find a room where the corporate team is five plus years old. Well, on average, right? There is a lot of turnover. So the fact that they were loyal to the brand, loyal to Andy, it gave me a lot of comfort around the brand as well. Hell of a process that you went through. I'm glad you just kind of shared it so transparently. And obviously it's something, especially I've actually been talking about it a lot. It's like, the sales processes that you see in the franchise world, whether it's, I mean, I've said this for a while, but the lack of financial disclosures, it's really, honestly, it's not good, but it's like almost impressive, this art of franchise sales where people are literally able to sell a multi-hundred thousand dollar or even million dollar investment without showing any financials. Like, if you think about that, imagine if you were to buy, you know, a restaurant down the street and the owner's like, oh, I can't tell you how much money it makes. Like no one would buy it. But in franchising, it happens all the time. It's actually just, it's a wild phenomenon to me. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you kind of went through that with some of the brands you spoke to. So, you know, Ace, folks, if uh, you're listening to this, you know, their financials are in the FTD. You can find it on probably some state websites or Crockett if you want to get deeper into the data there. So you started, you know, I know you guys own five territories today. Did you start with all five territories or was it like, let's start with the truck 
and we have the exclusivity, but we're going to build up? Or did you kind of like, you know, really try to build the business fast? So we locked in all four territories right from the start, just because like Artem said, we wanted to lock in the whole Raleigh market. As for operating, we really focused on marketing. You know, we were really guided to start our main territory where our office is located um, and start from there. But we saw then we started expanding outside of that territory very, very quickly without even marketing outside of it. It just kind of happened naturally. And a few months in, we kind of forgot we weren't marketing in those territories just because it was all kind of spread out fairly evenly. You'd expect more business to be near our office because of Google, my business and all of that uh, SEO analytics. But it kind of spread out evenly. Then we're like, oh, we need to kick in marketing for all of this because we're already servicing pretty much all of it. And then that's when we just kind of opened up and started servicing all of it. Now we're, we're at about uh, 20, I believe it's 20 to 21 mile radius from the office. Our territory pretty much captures everything. So it uh, works really well with Google and uh, we just have a great, great spot right now. Does the brand, yeah, how much would you guys attribute that to, you know, lead generation? Because obviously everyone knows the Ace brand, right? With the hardware stores, maybe the handyman services aren't as well known. You know, I've kind of had a like a theory that for these home services brands, it's not as important to have like a nationally recognized brand, right? Like the consumer businesses, whether it's a restaurant like McDonald's or Dairy Queen or, you know, the gyms like Planet Fitness, like brand definitely matters there. But, you know, there's like a painting franchise called Serta Pro that's all over the country. But if you asked, you know, anyone on the street, if they heard of Serta Pro, they'd probably be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about but still seems to be a great painting franchise. So yeah, anyway, did that, I guess that play into your decision and have, and also attached to that, you know, have you seen it be a benefit where maybe you're winning customers solely off the brand? Yes and yes. So at the end of the day, when you, like we went into this knowing that one day there was going to be an exit, right? Like there's an end to every journey somehow. Selling a mom and pop franchising handyman services versus Ace one is going to draw a lot more attention from other individuals, for one, right? Two, on a day-to-day, the number of times where people see our logos, they go, oh, Ace, and then they do a double take and they go, oh, handyman services. I didn't know you guys did handyman services. Tell me more, right? Whereas if you're a mom and pop handyman franchising LLC, it's just yet another logo. There is no name recognition. The number of times where we pick up the phone and they don't realize that we're part of the same family and we say, tell them you are. They go, oh, I love Ace. We are 80% there of having their trust. Now we just have to not mess up. We don't have to earn their trust. We just have to keep their trust at that yeah. end. We've been at home shows. We've done a, we did a lot for brand recognition when we first opened and people would walk by our booth and said, Ace, I love Ace. And, we're like, and then we would educate them on the handyman services. And the amount of times we have heard this made the whole home show worth it when there's another 110, 120 boots is astonishing. It really is. And I think just the brand, I mean, who do you typically do business with? People you know, like, trust. The know and the like, and the trust, excuse me, the know and the trust was basically built, put together for us. We just needed to finalize it with the handyman services. And the like we're doing at a very rapid rate because those first two were already kind of built for us with the brand. We just need to kind of seal the deal with those two, with our customers. 
and build alike. So it's and then know a little bit just because it's a branch off, but the brand has cut a lot of work out for us, educating customers and getting customers to trust and like us. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it was such a smart acquisition because it just complements the existing footprint, right, of the of the brick and mortar stores, and there is that natural kind of handoff of trust, as you stated, right? It, it's within the same realm. Like it makes sense, not a totally different category. It definitely complements the business. Is there any actual tie-in with the physical stores or is it separate? And by that, I mean like, you know, someone happens to be shopping at an Ace Hardware store and they request that maybe, I don't know, maybe they ask someone at like the front desk there or, you know, the parts counter, whatever you call it, about actually installations. Do, Do you guys get tagged in at that point? Yeah, so we worked really hard to make sure we were well-established and we felt confident in what we were doing and what our employees were doing when before approaching an Ace Hardware store. These hardware stores have been around. They established a name. We wanted to make sure that we could be confident enough to go to these stores and be like, listen, we can help you guys out. We can do great work. We do what we can to help the stores as well and to help their customers. The stores right now love that they have customers that come in. Do, do you know anyone that could do this? Do you know anyone that can do that? And the stores give them our card. We have our cards in all the stores. And we tell, and one of the things that we do on our side that we also tell the stores, if we can't because of licensure, because of permits, because of whatever reason, if we can't do it, we do enough, Artem and I do enough networking to have built relationships with great referral partners. So we could always send customers to someone that we know and trust and that will take great care of them instead of them having to search Googles or Yellow Pages or find someone that they don't know how they might be. Um, we try to cut that work out and we try to maintain the same level of customer service that is maintained in the Ace Hardware stores. There was one time that Artem and I had worked an overnight job. We went to an Ace Hardware store to pick up some materials right before leading to the overnight job. And we found out that Ace Hardware store was doing their grand opening the next morning at 9 a.m. And what did Artem and I do? We worked all night till 8 a.m. We slept 45 minutes, went to Target to buy a clean pair of jeans and we stopped by the office for an extra t-shirt and we were at that grand opening for four hours helping the ace hardware launch their store um and trying to be part of the community wow i'm sure the the operator there couldn't have been more appreciative that's fantastic i mean that's kind of like just things you can't teach but you hope maybe an operator and a small business owner would do Uh, obviously right it helps you guys out to build some goodwill but even it's just it's just a good thing to do to support someone else like that especially given you guys are like really on the same team, part of the same brand. It's amazing. You know, it sounds like you both just between Google reviews and, you know, Artem was speaking before about the intent behind really wanting all of Raleigh. Part of it being that if you're using, say, a real estate broker as like a referral source, right? You don't want to have to complicate things by saying, oh, we can only get your leads in these zip codes or however it might shake out. Do you guys have like, if you know, if there's other people looking at home services franchises, which there's so many from gutter cleaning to lawn mowing to, you know, we just had a, a power washing CEO, Aaron Harper on our show in the most recent episode, and he's up to some cool things. But do you guys have like, let's say three high level lead sources that you go to like Google, like maybe I'm assuming Google's one of them. And then maybe is it real estate brokers? But like, I guess, what are some of the the things folks should focus on in this business to really just get business their way. Because that seems to be a lot of the game, right? It's just getting those at-bats with, with potential customers. Google is huge, right? 
Google, Yelp, whatever, whatever your search engine of choice, like Yelp has a their audience and their market share. Google has their market share, right? But making sure that people find you, that you're well-rated, which all starts with a customer-centric approach. You got to make sure that customers are left five-star satisfied so they can leave you a review and tell their friends, right? That's huge. Now, the number of reviews we have where the customers have said, scheduled me the day of, got it done cheaper than anticipated, couldn't be any happier, four out of five, I got nothing for those customers. We did everything we could. We're in, they're never going to be a five-star customer. So Google is one. Referral partners and trades are another phenomenal lead source for us. And then I guess the third one would be like talking to people like you who knows everybody who owns Raleigh franchises and then getting those introductions after a podcast. Like I, I, those are another great, <laughs> great avenue. The, the other thing is, and we've really tried to build a relationship with other services, even other handyman services, right? There is so much work to go around to look at all these other places as com- com- competitors does you a disservice, right? We have a, one of the handyman companies over here. They, they've had customers that, you know, we're in a pinch, needed to get something done quick. They're like, we cannot get to them before next week. Can you help our customer out? And it's like, absolutely. We will help you and your customer out and vice versa. We do the same with them. They're like, we're packed. We have a customer that needs help. Do you guys have availability? And there is just so much work to go around. Building those relationships with everyone in the services is incredible. There's no, Like I said, there's no competition. If we could all work together, we would do 10 times better than we are. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a growing market like in Raleigh. So you kind of definitely have some tailwinds there. But, you know, I, I actually started my career in the HVAC world. And uh, it was the same thing, especially in summertime here in the Northeast where it gets hot. I mean, the contractors just booked out weeks and weeks and weeks. But then someone's air conditioning breaks and they're like, I can't get to them. So there almost is some, you know, there can be that big difference in disparity between supply and demand in the market. So that's great that you guys are kind of playing friendly with each other. You know, I want to ask for you two as partners, right, in this venture, you know, what's that been like? Have you kind of divided like the labor and the tasks, you know, or maybe one of you guys does sales and marketing, one of you is maybe, I don't know, more technical, you know, what, what was that process like in the beginning and has it evolved over the years? So in an ideal world, um, we sat down and we had a cigar and bourbon and it's like, well, before starting the business, this is this is what you're going to be in charge of and this is what I'm going to be in charge of. I was more on the operations side. He was more marketing and accounting side. Day to day, that answer changes. My fiance asked me in the morning, what time are you going to be home? I'll let you know closer to 430 when I have an idea of how my day is going to go today. Like it's just, <laughs> it's hard to know. I mean, there's a lot of days where I'm out in the field either doing jobs or helping on jobs. And there's days that Arden needs to also step into that role. We need to keep the ball rolling and vice versa. I mean, there's days where I, I have to, we're both networking all day um, to try to build the business and do the marketing. So we definitely have a good split. Coming into this, both of Arden and I were in corporate America. We did a lot of, you know, tests, leadership tests, personality tests. And every time we would compare it and they complimented each other fairly well. And when we did that accidental flip, we kind of realized that with our skill set, they complemented each other really well. So that was kind of one of the reasons that we both felt comfortable coming into the partnership is that they complemented us very well. And don't get me wrong, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, but we wanted to probably punch each other in the face a lot less than we expected coming into this. But there have been (laughs) those days. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I'm still going to his yeah, house they- Thanksgiving now. So I, I'm still invited. So it's just, <laughs> it's just that's the only reason he's coming. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
There you go. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, I definitely don't don't want too many um, bad days, but it is bound to happen. I mean, business is tough as it is. You know, just, I'm asking too. There's a lot of there's conversation at time, like on Twitter and some of the other kind of business circles and, and areas I spend my time on digitally, at least. That you know, is it worth it for to have a partner? Yes, because it, it can go wrong. And you know, if but it sounds like one the fact that you guys compliment each other that's uh, very very important. Would you have any advice for anyone who's maybe considering starting a venture with a partner versus thinking about going solo? So here's, again, whether you want to look at it from a 10 years, 15 years down the road, multiple perspective or the day-to-day, doesn't matter. From a multiple perspective, seller discretionary, it's an add back on, right? So it's a, we get to have an extra body out doing work as without having to drop a salary, right? So yeah, in, in theory increases profitability. On a day-to-day, we can get the marketing done, the payroll done, help on the phones, and somebody can go out in the field with the two of us. With one of us, if the field needs to happen, the other three things aren't happening. Or again, we're paying a salary. It's nice to have that extra resource to be a, like the clutch hitter or whatever you want to call it for uh, like being that plug resource. Because on the day-to-day, one of us has a little bit more capacity than the other one. So having that extra resource to pick up the slack becomes very helpful. Now, I guess the downside, and then Dan can talk about his viewpoint, but the downside is if you're trying to get your $75,000 a year profitability draw, well, now we have to double that. We have to be at yeah 50, right? So our top line revenue needs to be much higher to get us to the same point just because there's two of us. However, I also don't think that we would be, if we ran this individually, collectively, we might be at where we want to be, but I don't know, think we would be as sane nor as profitable on our own as we are together. And we definitely would be single if we were doing it alone because we'd be working even more than we already are. Um, I think we're on, I think this is going to be our, Knock on some wood around here. This will be our first weekend not working <laughs> one day in the last like six or seven weeks. So knock on wood. I mean, we still have put in the hours, put in the work. If there was one of us, sometimes I give so much credit to the people that are on your podcast or the other people in Ace Handyman Services. Being a sole owner, I don't know how they do it. Just we have very complimentary skills. I don't enjoy accounting, so I try to learn as little as possible. He does it great out in the field, being hands-on, getting on a 30-foot ladder. You won't see him above the fourth rung. I'll go all the way to the top. So like we complement ourselves very well. And how some people do it with one person, I give them a ton of credit because I don't know if I, don't know if I would be able to. I won't speak for Arden, but I probably wouldn't be able to do it by myself. And being able to scale too, right? Now we're looking at what's our what's our plans for the next five years, three to five years, right? Would would we be able to scale the way we're thinking of trying to scale if it was just one of us? I don't think so. I think it'd be very difficult. Yeah, I think a few good points were, were made there where for one, it's just, you know, not only the difficulty to get all the tasks done on your own, but yeah, you know, like it can honestly just be, it's, it's like lonely, I would say too, is what I hear from a lot of people. And you really got to surround yourself with a good team, join mentorship groups or some type of community because if you're just trying to do it all on your own, you know, and depending on the size of the franchise, maybe that community is just the other franchisees that are in the system. But yeah, it's never, you know, whether you 
on paper have a partnership or not, you know, I, I definitely would advise folks to, uh, you know, find some type of place to share what's going on. Cause if you're just flying solo, it is tough, but then, yeah, especially, I think it's almost for you guys, there's definitely an advantage in being able to really like get the business going and get the flywheel going in those early days. Because as Artem said, right, you have that person who has enough skin in the game where they don't need to, they're not asking for a salary because you guys are both owners of the business. So, and in the early days, it's so important, right? Like every dollar really matters. And if you guys, you know, if you have two people who can just be scrappy, do whatever it takes to get done to make sure that like you guys can start really building a team and an infrastructure, then you'll probably get to that place, you know, that that end state where you're really earning a lot and doing well, I would say quicker than the person who, uh, as you guys said, right? Like if you get called out into the field and there's one owner, all that other stuff, the person who would be normally working on the business is now working in the business and the progress stops from that standpoint. Now, don't get me wrong. Like we put in the hours, but they're intentional. Usually they're intentional hours. Some days <laughs> at the office for the sake of being at the office, but the hours of the work, the gray hairs, right? It's all intentional. The way the ACE model works, there is a lot of repeat business. Okay. I think franchise-wide, they say it's like 33%. We are flying high 20s for repeat business. We ran our number. We know where we want to be at top line. So we're trying to build up our book of business so our repeat business can more or less carry us and then everything else becoming gravy. At that point, we can afford a GM or somebody to run our office day to day so we can put in our 20 or 30 hours a week and not have to run out on a weekend or pull in a late night, right? So yeah. To not scare anybody away from franchising, right? It's we're putting in the hours today so we don't have to do it later. Like the was Zaxby's, the guy you interviewed that will free estate that you can either pay for it once or uh yeah, pay for then. it. Right. You you can apply that same philosophy to home services, right? Like you can work really, really hard early on or you can work really, really hard forever, right? It's either you build in your book of business and that word of mouth and the Google reputation early on and put in the hours early on because everything has a compound compound return, right? It's compound return on time, on your referrals, on everything. Right? So that I kind of want to just clarify as to why we're putting in those hours. Yeah, anyone getting into any business, franchise or not, I mean, look, I'm not going to say it's possible. It's just, it's rare from all the people I've spoken to that you can just do a 40 hour work week and that'll be enough. Because as you said, Artem, yeah, like maybe you might, maybe if you, you could do that, then you're signing up for like, you're never going to get that, that big change where maybe you're only working, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. If you did kind of front load and put in a ton of time to lay the infrastructure I feel like that might be a misconception sometimes when people are getting into franchises saying, oh, this is a business already set up. All I got to do is, you know, pay my franchise fee, get everything set up and I'm good to go. That's not the case. It is not early retirement. It is not anything like that. It's a business. It's a full out business and it will yeah. think just as fast as it'll rise depending on how much work and time you want to put into it. So, and the other misconception is that the franchisee does everything for you. That's not the case or the franchisor, excuse me, does everything for you. That's not the case. We got six months into this. We went to our first convention and I'm like, you know, we found it extremely helpful to meet with other franchisees and get ideas. It's like, 
why do we only meet and talk once a year? Like that is a disservice to us. So I took it upon myself six months in, not really knowing what we were quite doing. We didn't, we had no idea what we were doing at that point. But I took it upon myself to set up a monthly meeting with all the franchisees in North and South Carolina. It's like, let's get together on a Zoom call once a month and pass ideas. And that has been extremely valuable. Now, now the franchisor is starting that with everyone. But just make, knowing that it's not the franchisor that does everything for you. You have to put the time, effort, and do your own thing as well. Yeah, no, 100%. Again, I think uh, that kind of ties into what I said earlier, where, you know, I've heard it from a lot of folks. You guys referenced Ben Little from Zaxby's. You know, he says the same thing. He said, get involved with your franchisees, talk to them. It is surprising how many, it seems like it's a recurring theme that uh, there are more franchisors than I would have thought that don't set up those places for them to do that. Uh, So maybe a little insight for the franchisee community listening to this. I, you know, through the Wolf, will be launching some type of Brand, you know, franchisee-wide community in 2024. We're just figuring out tech stack and other other things for that. To what's the best place for people to be able to connect with each other? But yeah, I think it's very needed in the franchisee world and on a brand-to-brand basis as well. So that's good that you guys are doing that kind of for within the state of North Carolina. And you know, I want to ask: so you guys have four territories now. You know, do you have a sense of like how? Uh, I guess. You know, like, are you at how close are you to capacity? You know, where you're like, yeah, we're, we're our book of business is we're going to be hitting our goals, and then it's like expand further, or just maybe sit back, not sit back, but manage it. Uh, or are you like, yeah, we got we still got a ways to go, a lot of progress to make, and a lot of room to run, basically. So I'm going to let Artem touch more on this one, but just our personalities, there is no hitting goals, there is no reaching capacity. <laughs> we do not do a good enough job, and we were both well aware of it. We do not do a good enough job of patting ourselves in the back when we hit our goals, when we do something well. The franchisor's expectations are like at a certain level, and ours are five feet above that level for ourselves. And so we're just very hard on ourselves and always trying to, you know, sky's the limit kind of thing. But I'll let Artem touch a little more on all of that. Sure. So. Can't talk numbers without an FDD, so we're going to talk numbers. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not bound by an FDD. So on a serious note, we are, there's a minimum revenue expectations in the home services, right? Kind of where they expect us to be. We're going to be at about double of where we were expected to be for this full year. That being said, in our year five, we're going to have to be, don't quote me on this, like three times our revenue needs to be a three or four X of what it is this year, right? So there is yeah. build and ramp up. So to answer your question, we are not at capacity within our own territory. That being said, we are looking at expanding as well. I think there's two more areas that I'd want to expand into. And then after that, stabilize it and just focus on growing it vertically, meaning like really going after it, door knocking, rather than just going after the geography. It's um, the geography is strategic, but after that, it would really be just mining every single one of those zip codes for everything there is. And we pulled our data maybe like a month ago and started analyzing our revenue per household per zip code. So we know what our revenue is and two schools of thought, right? Are we doubling down on the zip codes where that are overperformers or are we putting our shoulder into the ones who are, that are laggards that aren't as good, right? Our overperformers, newer houses, 
uh, closer to our office, more money. The ones that are underperforming, much larger zip codes, not as profitable, but they have 25,000 households. It, I struggle to justify having 25,000 households that aren't generating revenue, right? So it's two schools of thought. So we are looking into that. And just real quick, going back to your partnership question, that's another great thing about the partnership, right? He has one idea, I have the other. And it's like, let's try both and see who's smarter. I mean, we're not competitive at all, but we are. <laughs> but like, let's try both or let's talk through these ideas. I Maybe I didn't think yeah. of that. He didn't think of that. Like, that's another of the great things about this partnership. And then on that note too, make sure the business is well capitalized, right? If you have a marketing idea, I can go to Dan and be like, hey, I'm going to take 2,000 hours. I'm going to throw out this. And if I mess up, it's 2,000 hours. We've wasted 2,000 hours of marketing in other areas. Learning lesson, right? Companies, people who start off undercapitalized, they really hinder themselves because if you have to decide between paying your mortgage or marketing for six months away from today, like those are really rough choices. Like we started marketing for February in August because we do have that seasonality. So we started putting in roadwork to make sure we get through January, February, March unscathed and don't have a slowdown like last year. If you had to take draws and it was a A or B situation, we'd really be in trouble. But yeah. And then the other thing about um to I guess wrap up your answer on how much more there is to go in the triangle. Like the triangle is one of the fastest growing areas in the country, right? Our households. What's the growing. triangle? Yeah, the the, the so, tribe. Sorry, Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill. That's a triangle. Oh, okay, right on. There's a triangle in the tri-state in pretty much every region. So I apologize. <laughs> so it's <laughs> no, all good. Um, it grew by since 2021. The Greater Raleigh area grew by like 200,000 people. So we have a natural household count growth of 10% per year based on current demographic shifts, right? So that means that without the market share growing, we could organically grow 10% year over year and that's just by maintaining market share, right? Like if you really think of it from that standpoint, and to me, that's mind-blowing. In addition to that, we have north of 400 reviews on Google in our first Damn. year and a half, right? Like it's, we're one of the, again, we're not competitive. We're 12 away from tying the number one spot. They've been around for 15 yeah. years. We're not- Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> but we have the number 12 in big writing on our whiteboard in the entrance, but who's <laughs> counting? Um, <laughs> but once we start ranking even better, we're going to get more of those repeat businesses. A lot of your guests who have been in this area, right? A lot of them have come through the Raleigh market, right? And I'm sure you know, like um, the guy, Dogtopia, I think is one of them. The, there are some dog business. I know there was a guy who owned- um, Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, Liberty, is it Liberty Taxes? I believe, yeah, a bunch of Liberty yeah. Taxes in the area. Every time one of them calls us, for the most part, once we get that commercial client, we don't lose those accounts, right? So you extrapolated over five years, how many franchises, how many businesses are going to just keep calling us every six months or every three to five years when there is a rebrand, right? There is a lot of business to be to be had in the home services space. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think about the commercial aspect there. Um, yeah, I think, so yeah, we had uh, Ben 
Ebert, I think is his last name. He just started franchising GoDog. Yeah. Yeah, they got investment from Level 5 Capital. So it's like a massive dog daycare and boarding facility. And I think there might even be a bar or like a restaurant attached to it. I'm not sure. I'm definitely misquoting that. So don't, don't, uh, you guys can check it out. No? Okay. I think they're off a way avenue. Anyways, I've looked them up. They're not far from our office. Yeah. If you want to make the introduction, I'd love to meet the owner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Always hustling. Uh, and yeah, the other guy, I think it was David Chuck, who was an early guest in the podcast. He has like 39 club Pilates. And yeah, so that'd be, that'd be a good client for you guys. Although I think some of them are in Texas. You had a but, um, guest that had a bunch in Raleigh as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Ben. That was Ben Little. Yeah, because they're on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. But yeah, if he's, we're, I'm going backwards here. I want to wrap up with kind of hearing if, well, I guess you kind of answered it, but is it primarily commercial or residential business or is it a split? You know, uh, I looked on your website, it looks pretty heavier in residential, but that could be wrong from what it's I'm hearing. 95% by volume residential, 5% commercial. And then by dollars, it shakes up to be about 10 to 15 commercial versus 85 residential. Just because our commercial clients use us so many more times, right? Our book of business from a pure count is stacked to residential, but commercial clients tend to be more repetitive. Yeah. Incredible. Well, sounds like uh, between building out the existing territories and uh, potentially a few expansion moves, uh, it sounds like you guys are maybe a few years away and could be the new number one. So um, I'm excited to to kind of watch you guys keep it going. You know, uh, is there anywhere online where folks either want to get in touch with you guys, your specific territory for Ace Handyman? You know, what's the best spots online to do that? For me, it would probably be my Instagram if they want to talk to connect with me or Artem directly, um, which is Dan underscore G-I-A-C. We also have an Instagram for our page and everything. You'll probably be able to find it all there. But happy to connect with anyone. Um, love talking to other franchise owners and people thinking of starting up their own business or franchise. And then for me, probably LinkedIn is the best place. It's my just my first name, last name. I'm going to spare your guests the struggle of typing out my last name so you can put it in the show notes. That's my LinkedIn. And then our LinkedIn, our Facebook, and our Instagram names are all AC Demand Services, Greater Triangle and Jefferson County. They're more than welcome to follow us and reach out to us on any of those platforms. We monitor all those on a regular basis. Okay, amazing, guys. Yeah, we'll find Artem's LinkedIn and all. So as he said, we don't have to worry about the pronunciation. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll plug those links in the show notes, folks, so uh, you can get in touch. These guys are definitely a good resource for starting and scaling a home service franchise, multi, multi-territory franchise. So yeah, guys, hey, look, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you know, have a happy Thanksgiving and fingers crossed, knocking on wood for, for you guys so that you can take a weekend off this weekend. Well, thank you very much for having us on the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Listen.